This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Wire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunzada and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the binary numbered, programmable, rearrangeable, and uh, filled with gases, Justin Waddell. How's it going, Justin? Hey, good. How you doing? <laughs> Super. Uh, we have a guest today. Mr. John McCarowitz is back. How you doing, John? I'm doing wonderful, Nick. Justin, how are you? I'm all right, John. When was the last time you were on the show? What was the last movie? Beowulf? No, it was Mulholland Drive. Or Mulholland Falls, one of those two. A classic, ap- a classic microscope episode. I think I had like 18 beers that episode, <laughs> if I Did remember you? correctly. Well, we got about an hour late start because Nick lost his notebook and was all frazzled about it. So remember, right. you and I were just chilling, and next thing you know, uh, we didn't start until 10:30, I think. But yeah. it was- he always he always talks about that when he lost his Mulholland Falls book. <laughs> no. All his notes for what? What were in those notes? You remember any of those zooms, Nick? I think I was making fun of how flat Jennifer Connelly was basically the <laughs> yeah. whole time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Little did I know how flat she would become. <laughs> um, guys, it's great to it's great to see. Uh, how has things been going in terms of COVID? I mean, it's it's a nightmare out there. John, what's your experiences with the uh, the pandemic lately? So I went from knowing nobody who had gotten COVID about. 60 days ago to now knowing about 40 people. So it's been pretty, pretty wild. I mean, just kind of like whole families are getting it, that kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, so far we haven't lost any loved ones or so, you know, I I guess I can't complain. I've somewhat enjoyed working from home as a change of pace, but definitely ready for things to kind of get back to some semblance of normalcy, whatever that might end up looking like. I will say though, I have enjoyed all the direct to streaming movies that have been coming out. That's been a nice little treat, but uh, you know, we'll be interesting to see how it has an impact on cinema overall, you know, over the next few years. I mean, which dovetails perfectly into today's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Cinematic masterpiece, right? Yeah. yeah. So no, you know, it's, it's the end of the year. We've been, we've been really working hard. All of us have just you know, we're due, we're due some rest. And this is, this is how we spend our special time is talking about fucking haywire. Hey guys, but it's a movie microscope. And a lot of you uh, are newcomers after all that marketing that's gone behind us. So welcome aboard. And if you don't know what the show's about, it's a show where we zoom in, we watch a film through the prism of deep thoughts. And we scramble up a strawberry mountain and run backwards until the rocks come down. <laughs> and then we figure out what makes or breaks. And we talk about it with the likes of you. So if we were talking about win a date with Tad Hamilton, we wouldn't be talking about the scene where Kate Bosworth orders a cerveza, but instead they feed her to bees. We'd be talking about the little moments. <laughs> Ton of them in Haywire. 
Why haven't we done Tad Hamilton yet? <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember John? Not to put you on the spot, do you remember at least five actors that were in that movie? You know, I've never seen that movie because a I lie, a lie. No, it's the <laughs> truth. It's the truth. I, I guess Kate Both, Bosworth or Bosworth is in it. Josh Duhamel. Mm-hmm. Duhamel's in there. Come Duhamel. on. I got who's Disney. The- I got Disney Plus. I watched a tad of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> who's, John, who's the star? Come on. I, I don't know, man. I'm. I guess Kate Bosworth. Topher Prayer Hands. Come oh, on. What oh. is it? I'm giving you hints. Topher Prayer Hands. <laughs> <laughs> Topher Grace. Nice. I wouldn't have thought he would have stooped so low, but I guess and, that was early uh, in his career. And it's also Marlon Brando's last film. <laughs> so. <laughs> I thought Andy Circus did a great job. Uh, he was didn't he do all the mocap in that? He did. Yeah. Uh, this is basically what is this? Soderbergh's Spartan. Is that what this is? <laughs> Spartan's actually a good movie, though. Oh, <laughs> fighting words! Yikes! Yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't hate Haywire. I think it's an enjoyable little hour and a half. I don't know how I feel about it. I guess I think it's uh, interesting. We won't, I'm not going to review it right out. The Gate. Yeah, it's Nick, why don't you give some background? Uh, I mean, it's it's a film starring uh, once uh, mixed martial arts ch- uh, champ Gina Carano, who everybody now knows as the best actor on Mandalorian, <laughs> and features a an all star cast of Soderbergh's go tos and some new newbies in his his work. And it's just a it's a mood piece. It's it's a tone poem. It's a Soderbergh light. You know, some good, got some David Holmes music rocking. You got, Ch- you know, Channing Tatum. All everything you really need to get through the day. Yeah. It feels like a movie that would go straight to streaming. It, it feels like a movie that would would lose its theatrical distribution, and then we'd see it for the first time on Netflix. But you, but what's interesting about that is Soderbergh is pretty much gone exclusively to working with the streaming platforms. I mean, he just did uh, High Flying Bird and The Laundromat at Netflix, and. Just signed up, I think, a five-year deal at HBO Max. So he did that Meryl Streep movie? He did, and it's enjoyable. I, I, I'm i a huge Soderbergh fan. I'm probably on the verge of an apologist, and I, I just enjoy his, his – really more than anything, I just find his films to be beautiful. It's like every frame is like a work of art. He's just obviously a visual artist. And, you mind um, if I zoom in real quick? Sure. He retired. He's retired. He's <laughs> done. But but if you look at that, people make fun, but he did take like three years off. Um, he did the Nick. Um, mm. But what he talked about is that, you know, there was sort of this lack of uh, an opportunity or ability to get mid-range funding for movies. It was like you either had to be dirt cheap or you yeah. had to be like ultra expensive superhero. And so I think streaming is a perfect platform for him. You know, I'll have to admit, one of my favorite Soderbergh experiences was, was seeing the IMAX mo- mosaic. <laughs> gotcha <laughs> but yeah so i mean you know to me if you look at what he does and and i've and i've kind of read a lot of his interviews over the years you know he's always looking to sort of challenge himself or constrain himself and mm-hmm. you know i found, dug up a few interviews and you know for him he felt like and this was sort of a direct quote like watching movies like the born identity are really more likely the the, the following two you know, it's like visually like reading a sentence uh, of words that are out of order. And so really purposefully not moving the camera during the action sequences and, you know, sort of working with the stunt coordinator saying everything should be human and doable. This should be something that, you know, a human can actually do, not wires and sort of crazy, you know, sort of CGI to enhance the fights. And so I really appreciated that part of it. For me, yeah. Nick and I actually saw this movie in the theater 
um, probably opening weekend. And surprisingly, it was a packed house. It was probably the, you know, one weekend that people showed up for it. But um, I, I remember not really caring for it at the time. And so I think with reduced expectations now, I can just sort of sit back and enjoy the uh, court, you know, the, the choreography of the stunts and, you know, the beautiful cinematography. And remember, you know, I remember Nick out. said that when he saw it with you, you afterwards, you, you, you can, you asked him who was Haywire in it, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. which one was Haywire? Uh, you know, what's funny is that this movie is really worth watching for two scenes. Really? Like it's, even though it's great seeing you McGregor and Banderas and Douglas and all those guys in this kind of, this genre in the Soderbergh style. The real reason to see this film is two very spontaneous fight scenes that break out, one immediately into the film and one about midway through. I mean, those are those are the showstoppers, wouldn't you say? Everything else is kind of take it or leave it. Best scene is the for sure is the fast binder uh fight scene it's a fast binder fast bender one of my fast bender right? yeah, yeah and uh but yeah that's that's the scene i remembered most from this and that's the scene i think that holds up yeah uh, for sure for i mean sure. i think you know and this goes back to this is probably why people don't enjoy the movie as much as maybe i do but it's it's about those fight sequences i mean i think soderbergh was literally doing an experiment using somebody else's money and sort of saying hey i want to teach myself how to film action and was able to convince somebody to give him money to do it. And, you know, you could say that's right or that's wrong. But if you look at his filmography, it, it definitely seems like he's experimenting with different genres. Kind of interestingly enough, I was reading about Academy Award sensation Logan Lucky when it first came out, you know, and it's of the same sort of genre of even like an Ocean's 11, 12 or 13, but certainly with more blue collar type folks. And so he restrained himself and not able to use zooms, 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 or any montage or anything like that, that he used in those oceans movies. So sort of limiting him, himself a little bit. And I think in this case, it was literally all about those action sequences. I think the rest just sort of was like, you know, um, definitely, definitely limited himself by casting Gina Carano in this. <laughs> he handy, he hamstrung himself from the get. And I think, I think he didn't, couldn't figure out how to beat that uh, handicap because he ended up dubbing her voice in this and then coming up with like a very weird excuse why they did it. Yeah, I read they lowered the, the tone, but they didn't dub it. They just lowered the, they mixed the her, tone of her voice. They mixed her voice and it does sound a lot like uh, uh, Laura. Laura Sangiacomo. Yeah, and it, it does sound like her in the movie. I feel like they just kind of dubbed her voice and she says they mixed it. Yeah, um, but the excuse they give is very interesting, which right. is yeah, she was too feminine, right? Well, I the excuse I read was that, you know, they didn't they wanted to separate this character from Gina Carano, the mixed martial artist. And I was like, well, that's act, that's called acting. Like when you do that, you don't need to like do fancy tricks. That's just you ask your actress to act. I was and, uh, I was uh, I saw a quote from him. He said she was her acting was too good. We had to dub over it. So I I, I think that's a little bit too much of an excuse. I feel like we've seen her act after this, and I can see why they dubbed her voice yeah. or whatever they did to it. Yeah, um, no doubt. And I think obviously he was uh, he really liked her fight, her, you know, her MMA stuff, and and that's why he cast her in this. Uh, he did the same kind of thing with. Um, Girl, girlfriend experience with that, with, with, yeah. yeah, which is a better film, I think, and with a more talented actress. But it's just, I don't know. This, this is a, you said experiment. This certainly feels like him just fucking around to me. Well, what's bizarre to me, though, in a sense, is like you slow down and go, okay, so apparently the film changed distributors because 
whoever initially financed it wanted more born action. And so they had to go do a bunch of reshoots, but he filmed and released Contagion between that change of distributors. And it's like, you know, I mean, I put Contagion up there, you know, kind of top of, I mean, I'd say certainly top five for him, um, but an amazing film. And you're right to then kind of have this lightweight sort of goofy. I mean, it's almost like should have been direct to Cinemax. You said streaming, but I mean, it's almost like more of like a Cinemax kind of, you know, action film that they would release uh, yeah. direct to. Um, but like I said, there, I, I guess just for me, it goes back to I could watch his movies just in the background with no sound on and and, and derive pleasure from it. I just think he's just one of the best cinematographers out there. Well, I this love one I'd recommend turning the TV off as well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so he, I think he originally had Paramount set to distribute it but then he ended up just getting laura san giacomo to distribute it (laughs) (laughs) um i like i love soderbergh don't get me wrong i i just don't you know and and you're right contagion is great it's just there's something about this movie that just doesn't uh work for me and i would say i don't think you're wrong i don't think it's a great or even a good movie by any stretch i'm just saying i enjoy it like it's amazing how much of the heavy lifting the music does in this movie it creates this bedrock of of actual coolness and and a vibe that the film doesn't really warrant because even though there's some interesting dialogue where everybody's talking in circles, sort of they're talking there. It's almost like his attempt at mammoth speak in some respects, the way that people communicate the, and some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard too, by the way, Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton has a line in this that is an abortion. I will say this uh, as much as I make fun of Gina Carano, like I, you know, she's great in the action scenes, you know, obviously he was not interested in using a stunt person. She's in all the, you know, she does it all right. And she leaps over fences. She runs for a long time. They, they constantly showing her running. You know, she quits herself quite well. It's just, you know, I think that's what he's interested in is like, I'm going to, I'm going to mix. I'm going to, what else do you think he experiments with during this? this film? <laughs> what else do you think he was doing? Craft services. He like tried some different, you know, styles of food. Doing well, Sudoku blindfolded. I found this oh. sort of interesting, but the whole movie, if you noticed, it was a vignette like on the edges of the, the, the frame. And so I, I didn't really think much of it. I just something I noticed, but he's best friends with David Fincher and apparently is obsessed with the um, rowing scene in social network. And so I know they, I can't remember that term, but where they tilt make shift. everything tilt shift. Yeah. So it was obviously different there, but he said he learned a lot just from watching that scene over and over again. So even just in the vignetting and I don't know, I just thought it was kind of fascinating to think how you went from that scene to Haywire. Um, he also said he studied Die Hard with a Vengeance a lot, a lot of John McTiernan, just that, you know. So Nick, you mentioned the score though. So where did you notice there was no score in this film? Did you notice when there was a- like, sort of a Yeah, which yeah. I love. I yeah. thought that was so badass. Well, and it was funny because the, the you get to hear their sound, like the sounds that they make, you know, like they're like Channing Tatum in particular has got some great, they've got some great fighting sounds. Yeah. The only, the only problem is, is it reminds me of choreography. It reminds me of when you're hearing people spar and practice. Mm. So I don't know if that's just the actors that are just, they're going through the dance routine of the fight, or if that's, I guess we're led to believe that's how f- the sounds like when these people are fighting. Do you want to back it up and talk about the, the beginning scene? What do you guys think of the restaurant fight? Is that one of the fights you're talking about that's memorable? To yeah. You? I think that yeah. and the Fastbender fight are the two big ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Sure. Well, yeah, it's good because, the, yeah, because first of all, you think about this, you're watching this movie, nobody knows who Gina Carano is for the most part, and Channing Tatum is a big name, even at this point, so when he goes into that bar, the audience is already, they're already in love, you know, they kind of are in, on his side already, so when he does that abrupt attack with the coffee, 
I think that does a great job in disarming the viewer because it does let you kind of know that this movie all bets are off to some extent, but it is great. It's great how raw that fight is. It's great how almost uh, the end of the movie it is. <laughs> and uh, it only the only thing that comes out of it that's bad is it introduces that 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 guy, that character that kind of almost ruins the film. Yeah, Michael uh, Andrew. Anjaro or something like that, his name. He's 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 been in good stuff before. Yeah, I just think the framing device of, of the drive with him to, to retell the story is very clunky. Really clunky. Yeah. It is. That screenwriter, Lem Dobbs, I, I don't know what else he's done, but he did write The Limey, which, you know, obviously the way Soderbergh shot it, you know, it's all out of sequence and really is, you know, about the editing. I, and I love that movie. It's sort of, sort of a commonality between those two movies' endings as well, which is sort of odd. But, um, I don't think he's that great of a screenwriter. Let's just put it that way. I mean, to your point, some of the worst dialogue. You had mentioned an abortion that Bill Paxton had. What was that line? Did you write it down? Nick? Of course I did. There's a scene where she uh, she calls Bill Paxton, her dad, to warn him uh, about a, a potential danger. And she says, keep, keep your eyes open. And he says, I haven't shut my eyes since you were born. <laughs> I do remember that. He uh he plays like a Tom Clancy type character character in this, right? He's an author. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that correct? He um is good seeing Bill Paxton again though. Oh man, uh, he's he did the like best. that guy is the best. Um Lem Dobbs, like the Limey's great. I know he was kind of mad at Soderbergh for how Soderbergh shot that film, but um uh, I don't know what else he's done besides these he's two. He's done movies. other Soderbergh films. That name has popped up more than once or twice. Well, he, he, did, do he wrote Kafka, I do know that, which to be honest, I have not seen. I saw that in the theater like that. and wanted to kill myself. <laughs> Apparently he's trying to re-edit that right now. Um Soderbergh. He wants to redo it, but whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't know much about him. I just, you know, I know that they work together on a few things. Apparently he wrote Dark City. Um um, so there's that. <laughs> Every time uh, I hear of a collaborative for Steven Soderbergh, I just assume it's Steven Soderbergh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, I always I wondered if Glenn Dobbs was him. Yeah, yeah I mean. I'm not convinced there's more. Because so, okay, so I was on the set of Magic Mike 2 uh, when they were filming that. And there was mm -hmm. a guy that theoretically directed it, but I got to, I watched it being filmed and Soderbergh was 100% directing it. Well, yeah, because he had this cinematography credit on it, which I thought was like, well, bullshit, he's not not directing this. Oh, he was, yeah, <laughs> he was so directing it. But it was so funny that it's like, I, it was just so weird to see other people. It's just, you have this uh, this feeling that it's like multiplicity where every it's just a bunch of little Soderberghs doing all the work. <laughs> well, especially on the films like uh, High Flying Bird and Unsane, he's filmed on an iPhone. You get the sense there's like three other people hanging around in him, you know? So anyway. you, you, got, you do have to love old Soderbergh. He's filming movies on iPhone and stuff it's pretty great well and the thing is he makes great movies like mm -hmm. what is it what's his what's his most ambitious was it solaris what is he what has he done that's like his i most mean i'd say ambitious would be solaris but traffic i think would probably have to be up there too i mean just the multiple i mean he filmed it three different ways and but there was, know, that was still pretty gorilla it still felt gorilla that movie though that's true that's i mean true. the ocean's yeah. movies are polished but yeah i guess solaris which is but then he'll like then he'll also like help out and work on like the new bill and tez movie i mean he's all over the place you know like well, he I, so I was confused about that. Apparently, uh, whoever wrote some of his movies originally wrote those. I'm trying to remember what the guy's name is, but you're right. Ed, that, Sol that, Ed Solomon. That's right. Exactly. They're right. buddies. Yeah, and I think that he's working. I think they're collaborating on a bunch of future Soderbergh stuff. Yeah, that there's a new mm -hmm. action kind of uh, in the vein of Oceans that apparently is coming to HBO. But he was like he was like hopping around the set of like the Hunger Games, like Soderbergh. Like he was doing like he shows up everywhere, you know. And so he's just his own guy. Like he does his own thing. So yeah, but, you know, this, I can't get mad at this movie. I mean, I, I see what he's trying to do. I read um, an interview, or I was listening to an interview with Fincher recently. It was from when he mm -hmm. did Gone Girl, and somebody 
brought up Soderbergh. I don't remember why, but it was so so funny because Fincher made this comment about him. He's like, no, he's basically, are you trying to be like Soderbergh? And he and he was offended almost. And I was like, I didn't know that they were friends. But then he immediately said, that guy is an alien. Like he basically exists in his own world. You can't you can't fake what he does. It's it was, yeah. it's weird to hear Fincher say something about another filmmaker like that because he's he's probably the best we have. Well, apparently they're they're best friends, and you know Soderbergh's one of like a few people Fincher shows early cuts to, you know, to get feedback on. But yeah, I think like Gary Ross was the connection there on the Hunger Games, right? Because I think Soderbergh produced um, Pleasantville, if I'm not mistaken. Randomly. Love that movie. Like, Love that. Yeah. Movie. So they're like buddies. The beginning of this movie. What do you remember her name? Her character's name? Haywire. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory. Uh, Mallory. Yeah. That's right. Family ties. Um, I'll never forget that hat she has to wear in this movie, though. No, she she no, uh, is pouring hat. <laughs> begins. She, she she's in a diner. She's pouring uh, hot water to make tea unconvincingly. Well, first, and, it, she's she's out in in the field like Revenant, standing out there. First shot of the right. movie is her looking mm-hmm. like Revenant, which was his name in that movie. <laughs> she, <laughs> she enters diner, and uh, I don't know what she's doing in there, but then she gets. Uh, that's what. Tatum comes in and she, oh shit. She's like, oh God, not this guy. And that's how it starts, right? It, it Someone said it starts with her saying, oh shit, and ends with a character saying, oh shit. That's correct. You know, bookends, guys. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Soderbergh. Um, but you know what I, one thing, my first notes in this is that, you know, they kind of flash back after she leaves. She she gets out of this fight. She breaks Tatum's arm mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I guess kind of goes on the lamb with this kid who you don't like, Nick, and um, a- tells her story. And so they flash back to Barcelona. That's where the, the, this movie kind of the mission, the first mission. Uh, her and she, what is she? So she works. She's like a what a killer military like a, contractor. Yeah, military contractor. So the one of the first notes I wrote was that she's chasing somebody, and the guy is like trying to run away from her, and she is a good runner, <laughs> and he cannot get away from her because she does not get winded, and you know he starts to get winded, and I that's like my worst nightmare. Like I would never last in a run. <laughs> and so I guess that's one of the things that Soderbergh liked was to have because she shows her run forever. You know, like he loves to watch to show her run that she just doesn't get. She she can run. She's fit. Do you think? <laughs> do, you think they, do you think they came up with that once they saw her acting? They're like, shit, we need to figure out how to. Yeah, not make her talk. I think they do several, several things in, everywhere. <laughs> I think they do several things in this movie to get around her acting. Yeah, yeah. for sure. He's yeah, like, yeah. he's like, you're going to Barcelona. I want you to pack in real time. <laughs> we're gonna film that. The funny thing is. uh, Jenny Tatum almost kills her in that diner scene. He tries mm-hmm. to shoot her and the waitress helps her out. And still she doesn't put, she doesn't finish him off. I thought that was a very strange development considering the background. I that the character has. tried to kill her. Cause it was very, or did Oh my he God. Yeah. He has her oh, yeah. sister right. Yeah. And she slams the girl in with a coffee pot. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that's, and I know that we need him later on in the movie. Sort of. The kid kind of saves her, right? Cause he jumps on her yeah, his jumps back. On her back. Yeah. Or jumps on his back. I mean, I she does that's... get shot. She does get shot in that scene. At least she gets, uh, she gets uh, clipped. So it's, sort of, it's sort of revealed later that, you know, he was not Channing, Channing Tatum did not know that there was this sort of like double cross going on. So maybe she was sort of maybe potentially aware of that. She does one thing in that scene and it happens at least two other times that I noted, but she punches somebody and their head through force of the punch then slams into something else. And I just, every time it happened, I just got so delighted. Um, <laughs> but she, she, she punches Tatum and smashes his head into the side of like one of those stools. Great stuff. But yeah, I would, uh, yeah, I, I, that's, 
another piece that I'll mention that I liked about this film is that, you know, to your point, she breaks his arm, but then later he shows up with the cast. And I like the idea that they actually showed sort of the damage of these fights where often in these movies, people get their shit kicked in for 45 minutes and then they're just like in the next scene walking around. So I kind of like the idea that he's sitting there in a cast later well, she's, on. And she's got shiners and we see her covering up her shiners with makeup a couple of times too. Yeah. It's just yeah. Cool. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past Soderbergh to say to himself, okay, how do I convince a film studio to give me, you know, twenty million dollars to make this movie. Get Gina Carano in there and sell them on the idea that we'll be able to pitch this to the UFC crowd or something like that. Um, but I mean, I for the life of me, I still can't figure out why he would choose her other than her ability to stage convincing fight sequences. But because nobody knew who Ronda Rousey was at the time. <laughs> you bring her up? Is she acting? I, I've never. I mean, uh, she's she's not she's not much better than Gina Carano, but she's better than Gina Carano. Okay. Well, she she she's been in films. Yeah, yeah. Fast and the Furious movies, Expendable. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you know that's my problem. I've never seen any of those movies you just mentioned. Oh, you should. They're fun. Well, that's what I've heard about Fast and the Furious, but like I'm just a little intimidated. And are you supposed to start all the way at the beginning, or can I just like hop in once like The Rock shows up? It's like the Godfather films. You, you, you're best to watch them all. <laughs> Brace yourself for a mega zoom. Her name's almost Gina Karate. That'd be, that'd be way better. <laughs> Huge. Um, there's a shot in this one. So she's flashing back and. Ewan McGregor plays her handler and he's convincing her to go on one more mission, right? Because she's kind of about to leave the company. And that's just one of the things I'm talking about. She, he talks as she moves in. Remember, she has, she's in some apartment. She's like moving in. And she's just putting shit on shelves while Ewan McGregor says lines at her. That's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love I love Ewan McGregor. That's the, the third big fight scene is with Ewan McGregor. And it's obvious that he is not built for fight scenes. But it's so funny to watch him re trying to retreat at every opportunity. He's so, trying to fucking rock climb his way out of the fight. <laughs> the one character I'd relate I related to, like he's he he immediately tries to get away from her, which is what I would do. Yeah, and yeah, he does try to scale rocks. Yeah, and I, I would do the same thing. I like, love though when he's standing there looking at the ocean and the frames on him, and you just see her full tilt sprinting right at him. <laughs> Like that, mm -hmm. shit, that kicked out. That's like, horror movie. It's a horror yeah. movie scene. <laughs> it follows, got spliced in or something. That's the character's name. So, so they're in Barcelona. And she meets up with uh, a guy named Paul, played by Mac Michael Fassbender, who is a who's her. Yeah, they're like, in Scotland at this point. This is the second mission in Scotland, yeah. right? MI6, oh, yeah, that's the shit that's yeah, yeah, in the other town is where they're they have their crew together and it goes bad. That's yeah, they're trying to extract they're trying to extract a, a quote unquote, you know, uh hostage uh in Barcelona. And then she's talked into this one last easy job with Fassbender in Scotland where the the, the person shows up again. Well, uh, there is a little truth to it. It was one of their last jobs. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> but he's with MI6 and she's supposed to be she doesn't want to be the eye candy, and and uh, Ewan McGregor assures her that she's the eye, not the candy. But she looks good though; they 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 gussy her up in that. In yeah, she does look good. But yeah, you know, and that's a fun scene when they're they're supposed to be a couple and they haven't ever met. You know, so they act like a couple. They go into the hotel room, and then you know, Fassbender starts getting ready, takes a shower, and she starts going through all this shit. You know, like, and then when it's her turn to change, he does the same to her. Yeah. 
but she's smarter about it. Like she actually protects her stuff where she, he doesn't. She puts a tracker on him. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, later on, she's not really good at making sure she doesn't have a tracker. But yeah, I do like that scene. That's kind of a Mr. Miss Smith spin or whatever. And then they go to that the party with the guy from Amelie where he's at. Matthew Kasovitz, whatever his stupid name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that guy, though. He's in Munich as well. He's great. Yeah. No, I like him, too. He's a cute little guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we, the intrigue starts to pile up. She finds the body of somebody who I guess is, is the person they were supposed to extract. What well, is the person they were sta- extracted in Barcelona? And then she he's dead in Scotland. Is that, is that where they are, you said, John? Yeah. Yeah, they're in Scotland. But so the thing you said that Fassbender didn't do as good of a job, she did protect her electronics, but Mm -hmm. they took the brooch that she was supposed to wear to identify who she was. But then Mm -hmm. she's all over CCTV cameras wearing that brooch and it's in the hand of the guy. But that is the same person they saved in Barcelona, who's now dead in Scotland. So the story becomes Kenneth, who owns that private contractor, is going to say, hey, look, she's gone rogue and killed this important person, frame yeah. her, thereby taking her out so she doesn't steal all his business. But she uh, discovers this double cross. Like right. she's kind of keeping tabs on Fastbender and she sees him, you know, talking to the dude and then she sees him going to like a garage area. That's where the guy's dead body is. And that's when she discovers her her hairpin or her brooches in his hand. So, you know, it's kind of a simple plot, but she but she does discover that she's been double crossed and goes on the run. You know? Yeah. When Pretty she- fun scenes. You know, the fight scene, and I know we'll get into it with Fassbender, is fantastic, but it always sort of bothered me. She knocks him out and then shoots him in the face. It's like the poor guy didn't even know he got killed. You know, he's like passed out. Well, he was gasping. So I think he was just just knocked. He was beat up. I don't think he was unconscious. I think he got to enjoy it. Okay. Well, so it's funny. When John and I saw this in the theater, I had an important phone call I had to go on. I think it was when I worked for the evil entertainment yeah, the website thing yeah right? yeah and I, I had to run out on a conference call or some shit i missed this scene i missed the entire fast bender fight <laughs> i forgot scene. about that <laughs> the only reason the literally missed the best I, part. I went in and i get I, I, i'm gone for like 15 minutes i get back what i missed it's like well, and john did I mean, he goes john, he says fast bender he died he didn't see <laughs> you know go into detail so i said oh that's a shame <laughs> Well, she knows it. So she's, they're going back to the hotel room and he, you know, they're kind of getting the hotel room key out and she takes off her heels. She knows what's coming, which is, I think is kind of cool. Like she knows that a fight's coming and he immediately, they enter the room and he immediately punches her in the back of the head. Ashes are right in the back of the head. Which doesn't work. Like it, it doesn't, you know, she doesn't get knocked out. She puts up a pretty good fight, Um, but it's a brutal fight. And then he loses. Like she chokes him with her legs and shoots him in the face. Yeah, and she yeah, he holds doesn't... his hair and like drags him, her, you know, his neck further down into her thigh. I mean, it's pretty brutal for sure. Then she does something very interesting with his body. She gives it a bath. She puts it in like a full bath, like a f- filled bathtub. Why? Yeah, I forgot about it. Maybe just to make it look like he committed suicide or I don't know. It's a good question. Done bleed out all over the fancy rug. It's a nice hotel. Maybe, it. Could worried be about it. Her, maybe worried about her safety. Security yeah, because it's another scene where she's not delivering dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel it's so funny that um, that scene though. I, when she puts him under, she it's I love it. I love I love and I and it makes you wonder how they film that because it's in one take, and you see her put the gun to the pillow. You see the the feathers fly. You know Soderbergh's mm-hmm. not a big CGI guy. The way they executed that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They uh, but and and then we didn't say this, but like whenever she's at the state of the guy, before, you know when she's you know, realizing that she's been double crossed. She's talking to the guy they're supposed to meet. He keeps talking about a maze. He's like, do you want to go on this maze tour? There's a maze here. They keep talking. And there's a sign that says this way to the maze. They don't ever show the maze. I'd like to see it. 
<laughs> I imagine it's a hedge maze or yeah, something. Yeah, you must figure there'd be like a chase sequence in the maze, the way they talked up the maze. I think Soderbergh's like, I'm going to talk up this maze and then I'm not going to show it, you know, because that's the kind of filmmaker I am. I'm gonna... Your expectations. Fuck that. I want to see a maze. Yeah, you know? I, he was saving that for Haywire 2. It's a shame that it's a shame <laughs> that it wasn't a huge hit. I wish I had like a house, like my house had a maze element. Hey, you I mean, go build one. Don't you have some woods in the backyard? Not really. Oh. Although think about this, yeah, trees. you know what you think about, you know, you hear about people who talk about their swimming pool, the how they get tired of their swimming pool mm -hmm. and you get mad at them, whatever. How quick would a maze get boring? Cause I mean, once you know the maze, Never. it's like, you know, the mm -hmm. pattern now it's just a, now it's just something you got to trim. That's true. Yeah. The hedge maze. I, I just, I don't think I get bored. Hey, you guys want to come over and just roam in my maze tomorrow? <laughs> I'd love it. Yeah. yeah, it definitely seems like something that would yeah wear, wear out its welcome pretty quickly. Oh, he she so then she calls. She uses a dead fastbender's phone to call Ewan McGregor. Is the divorce and, final? And he goes, "Is the divorce final?" <laughs> and she doesn't say anything. And then he knows it's Mallory. Yeah. And then he fucked up. By the way, was was Michael Douglas nominated for this? <laughs> <laughs> he has like what six you lines. Thing, you have a thing with Michael Douglas. I dig him. I, I like love him. Michael Douglas. Oh, okay. I think after we did Basic Instinct, uh, you were shitting all over him throughout that whole... Oh, I make fun of him, but I own so many of his movies, and his movies are so much a big part of me. Yeah. Ewan is actually really good in this movie, I think, as a bad guy. I mean, he doesn't have much to do, but he's pretty effective. Yeah, for as, sure. Like a slimy, you know, like kind of a good dick. <laughs> and they definitely surrounded Gina Carano with some powerhouses. I mean, you've got Ewan McGregor, Fassbender, Bill Paxton, mm -hmm. Channing Tatum... And Darius, uh, everybody, everybody wants to work with uh, Soderbergh. He's no yeah, one saying he's no. He's very good to work with actors. Like he apparently doesn't give a whole lot of direction. Lets them kind of do their thing, you know. Hence, he's and they don't. Toronto. And it it's an easy paycheck. There's not much for them to do in this movie. They're only in each in a few scenes, right? Like Carano's in the entire movie. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I love, I love, I love the way that he works with these people. Uh, I mean, you look at what. Gwyneth Paltrow and Contagion, her work in that, you know, <laughs> dies in the trailer. <laughs> great, great death sequence. They're very disturbing. And Matt's, Matt Damon's response to it is even better. That scene is yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw another compliment Gina Carano's way. She she has to, there's a lot of wine drinking in this movie. Did you notice that? Yeah. A lot of wine. But she has to fake drunk, play drunk. Like she has to pretend she's drunk. And not like pretend she's drunk because she's an actress, but like her character is pretending to be drunk. Sure. Yeah, so she, she does a good job. That's right. She's actually pretty good at acting drunk. Do you she think got, just, she just went ahead and got her drunk just to make that scene easier to film? <laughs> definitely a possibility, I'd say. Maybe a hundred percent. I'm sure Soderbergh was getting drunk halfway through this. <laughs> I thought the. Uh, I mean, all how am I going to get out of this maze I've created for myself? <laughs> Like casting this actress. I enjoyed the chase sequence throughout wherever they were. I think they were in England or some probably still in Scotland or something. But um, I enjoyed that running around the rooftops and what have you. That's another scene where she punches somebody's head into something else. <laughs> that happens in that scene. So that was what great. You, what do you think when Douglas is assessing the whole situation they're in and says, we got ourselves a real Twizzler here? <laughs> he name drops licorice. Yeah, and maybe yeah. a la Lem Dobbs. What do you, you know? think uh, he meant by that, Justin? I don't know. They were. I have no idea. I mean, it's just too hard to figure out. Um, <laughs> but I think he had. They gave Soderbergh gave him free range to drop any candy, and so he tried out a number, yeah, of different things there. And this Twizzler fit. But first, it was uh, Charles. What would you? <laughs> we got ourselves into real Charleston Chew. 
<laughs> we got ourselves a real chuckles. Nice. Yeah. Remember chuckles candy? Yeah. We found ourselves kind in a real O. Henry. <laughs> Henry bar. Yeah. But I, I wonder if they, yeah, Twizzler, maybe they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They were paid for some promotion. The, the Douglas and Soderbergh's relationship got strained during that scene, though, because Douglas is on a huge health kick because because uh, Catherine Zeta Jones gave you know dropped the hammer. So you know they're burning film, they're shooting, and he goes, uh, "We really got into some mucilage into this." And and Soderbergh's like, "What? That's not a fucking candy mucilage. Nobody talks about mucilage." And then he's like, "Okay, we got some spirulina in a milk drink." No, oh, Douglas is like, well, how old was Douglas when he filmed this? So they maybe he was trying to drop in Werther's Originals, and they're like, no, 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 way too old, dude. Come on, give us some. We need to capture the youth market here, Twizzlers. Um, what do you think? Okay, so at the end of the movie, because there's not much to talk about, uh, there there is a deer gag in this. Yeah, what'd you guys think of that? Chase like through it. the woods, like the cops are on it. Karana's, you know, uh, you know, evading police, but then. She uh, a deer leaps into the back window and ends the chase. What do you think? After after her passenger compliments her driving skills, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't great. I think the deer was working for uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I don't know. By the way, blew, yeah. blew her off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> the dead deer. Yeah, I never see it at the end of the movie. They apologize. They killed. They killed 15 deer for that scene. <laughs> and and, and Fastbender. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about Gina Carano is that in the time that's passed between Haywire and The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. she's gotten tremendously better as an actor. Wow. A little bit of a controversial figure of late. Her Twitter account, John, I'm sure you follow her. Mm, she's uh, She's gotten some controversy because she's she posts, she posts, you know, kind of right-wing takes on stuff, and people mm -hmm. don't like that, obviously. And then she gets half defiant. The, half the people do. <sighs> yeah. And so she, you know, she's kind of a big, like, you know, maskless, um, anti-trans, you know, kind of person, you know, plus great. She can't, she can't act. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I can't imagine, you know, why anybody would have a Twitter account. I mean, like I use it, I like look at stuff, but I don't post mm -hmm. too much on it. It just seems like a great place to get fired or in trouble for an off color oh. joke. I don't know. I mean, she's, you know, to your point, the politics, I'm not a fan of, but it just seems like a big of risk, especially for someone who's so lousy at acting. You think she'd be putting her best foot forward every chance she got. Some people probably think it's necessary to have social media, right? Especially when you can't, when you try to get jobs like her, I imagine, you know, she wants to keep up her presence and she, you know, her, what she's popular from MMA, right? So she's got a fan base. Is she though? Kind of stuff. Is she? I mean, she's not, she can't be that. I mean, I guess she's probably popular for the Mandalorian. I now think too, she's but. popular because she's semi attractive and a crossover. I mean, granted, I thought she had, I thought she had, was big in MMA. Am I wrong? She wasn't. But how many she MMA people have, sure. have crossed over? I don't know if she still is, but I mean, she was huge for sure. And how I many names do people know for real from that? I don't know. I don't know much about like it. Conor McGregor, uh, maybe what's his face. And then that's it. <sighs> she's pretty awful on the Mandalorian. I, I, uh, I don't usually judge actors too much. It's not very good on the show. And I can't imagine. Do you think she had an audition? Do you think people lost to her? <laughs> Did she beat out people for that role? Or do you think they just offered it to her? I can't imagine any version of reality where she's winning and <laughs> coming number one in an audition. Yeah, I think what? she was selected to be in that for sure. I doubt there was any... Uh... 
What do you uh, think uh, the title Haywire refers to? I mean, I assumed it was her, like on her, like retribution and vengeance for being framed, you know, just the way she went through and kicked everybody's ass. But it definitely didn't feel quite that Haywire ish, you know, maybe more like that. It doesn't really seem incensed. You know, usually when somebody is wronged, they have an attitude and they go around making everybody know about it. Like Mel Gibson would go around spouting how pissed off he is in a movie like this. She's just kind of, she's, she's very, she's sort of she's, passive in, in a way. You think about it. She's, she's not really aggressive in this thing. Well, she feels very in control the whole time. Is that what you mean? That's kind of what you mean, right? Like well, she doesn't really feel like on, she doesn't, she's on the run, but she feels like she's obviously smarter than everybody. Certainly a better fighter than most. And, uh, but she, you know, even at the end, like, she just feels in control of the whole but she, every time in the movie. I, right. she, I think she takes control, but I think she's sort of reluctant. She doesn't want to, she just doesn't want to be bothered. You know, it seems like mm-hmm. she's she's her hand is forced at almost every situation. So it seems like she would go with the flow. This movie could have been much more calm, you know, if she just you know mm-hmm. every, every just behaved because she wasn't going to start any shit. As a matter of fact, <laughs> she wanted to just chill out and you know set up her new apartment, maybe look, take some acting classes. <laughs> That's what you McGregor doesn't like. That's why he double crossed her because she's leaving the company. He doesn't like it. Yeah, she's like their number one, you know, asset. So if she, I'll leaves, show you. There's a, there's you know, a point sh- in the movie where Banderas is talking with the French actor and sort of saying like all her all. Her, his business will go with her when she leaves. And that's why they set her up. Well, and Douglas insists on they using her. That's the other thing that pisses off you McGregor is right. Douglas insists that, you know, she's the reason that he hired them in the first place. That's right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if she leaves, the business goes too. So she's got to go. It's always about the money as Ewan says at one point in the movie, it's always about the money. And there's another point in the movie where he says, it's always about the high tide. <laughs> yeah, what about your second what about your movie to end with a, a high tide murder really the limey same thing oh, yeah. it's the guys that you know uh what's his name terrence stamp whips uh peter uh, fonda's ass and i think he breaks his ankle and they leave him down there to die at high tide literally same writer same ending must have a thing what do that. you guys think of her classic line from this when she's in the car chase and she says oh more leos <laughs> yeah and then the kid goes What's the what's Leo's mean? She goes, law enforcement officers. Yeah, that's not like a thing. No one uses that acronym. I've never heard that before in my life. Are you kidding? You use it all the time. You don't remember the years after this when they, they just swept the nation? No, I see. I I saw. I just thought all those guys were born in August <laughs> that were chasing her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More Leos. Oh man, it's. Then that's when the deer jumped through the window. He's like, fuck this. Um, okay, so she wears unnecessary camo at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they really did up her face. Like, I'm sure it's like uh I'm sure it's like military appropriate. I don't know, but it's just too much. You know, like she's they really make it's just too much. The hard thing is, is they th- there's this whole thing about her getting the drop on these guys. Yeah, and then she totally lets them know she's in the house with them <laughs> way sooner than they should know. But I just think like she, it's a cool shot. I saw why Sarbrook did it. Like he shows her face, and she's like, she looks, she has cool camo on. But I mean, she's in her dad's house. Like she should like pay, paint like a wardrobe or something. On yeah. Her face. <laughs> You know, like cabinet, yeah, yeah like a like, kitchen sink or something. You yeah. know, I don't understand. Like dirty laundry. The, uh, the the bomb in the uh, in the uh, breaker box. You know, and they 
they kind of briefly showed it, but there was guts all over the fucking car. It was great. Yeah, she kills one guy, shoots him in the head. Yeah, she and then she didn't she break someone's neck in front of her dad and Paxson, he he he's horrified. He looks he's proud and horrified. Yeah, he, so her dad writes all these military, like Tom Clancy books, mm-hmm. like you said, but it's almost suggested like he he maybe at one point was in special forces, the way they talk, and she kind of like says she shares everything with him. Mm-hmm. But then obviously he is horrified at the violence. So it's just sort of like or or almost like mesmerized, like because when he sees her you know, run off after you and after clearing the house out or whatever, he's mm-hmm. got this look of like bewilderment and amazement on his face, you know, because well, his eyes have never been closed. <laughs> so he's, he's got so, everything's yeah. so dry. Right out. He's like, I can't, yeah. and we didn't really say it, but that showdown does happen. They, they go to his house, you know, looking for her and, and she knows they're coming. And so she sets up a trap basically, yeah. but McGregor, uh, you McGregor's character, like he doesn't kill the dad. Like he kills Channing Tatum, <laughs> but I, you got to hand it to him. He doesn't kill her dad. Like that's, that should be number one, like hold a gun to his head and make her come out, but he doesn't do it. Yeah. Cause he, he's a fan of his work. Apparently likes his books. You know, that's what I assumed. That's right. Yeah. Um, I like Channing Tatum's death scene. Actually. He dies. Well, yeah. Have you noticed how guttural he is as a guy? Like when he just, he's got a lot of, you hear a lot of his grumbles and his breath. Mm-hmm. And they, I didn't realize that until this movie. And now I want to go back and rewatch everything just to see him do it. Because the scene where he goes to the coffee shop, he's got so many guttural mannerisms. It's like, is that, is that, ch-? he's a sex symbol. What the hell are you doing making old man sounds? <laughs> he's a dancer, <laughs> Nick. That's how he got to start, right? Isn't he a dancer? But what's, has the world finally realized what a treasure he is yet? Or I, th- I think so. Or, or did Jupiter ascending kick everything into haywire? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean love people him. love him yeah, certainly love him from magic mike movies you know yeah. he definitely uh, has a sense of humor about himself which jump, I think he is, is jump street pretty. he is the funniest thing about jump street he For is sure. so funny yeah he showed up on a, a comedy central show that no one really watched called idiot sitter he's he really funny on that and but like he'll do and he'll show up in a tarantino film out of nowhere yeah he'll do right. yeah he's he's an interesting actor um he had to act against her <laughs> which is probably pretty hard. Um, she gave her, she has cornrows in this at the end and camo. What do you think of that look? Not bad, actually. I don't think they look too bad. She looks good. She looks yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a fan of cornrows on a, a white person, but that's just me personally. She had to do it because it was getting real. And so she had to do something <laughs> with her hair. To, I guess. to your point, I feel like you might need help to do that. Like that. So did her dad sit there and, and, braid her hair for before i think it was definitely implied that her dad helped her with the person can do that themselves i think they need help she's like we're up against the clock let me have a very painstaking hairstyle (laughs) it'd be awesome if there's a deleted scene where paxton was was helping her with that yeah yeah um it's funny that they went from girlfriend experience to this because she had porn rose in that movie Mm. (laughs) nice What do you say? So Ewan gets away from this trap. She gets away, and what does she say when she she jumps out of the house onto a car, rolls on the ground, but she doesn't get to him in time? What does she say after Ewan McGregor? Do you guys remember? You the better run or something like that, mm-hmm. or you better yeah. run. You better run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. What does Laura San Giacomo say? <laughs> I love it. She is awesome. I miss her so much. Mm-hmm. Well, Soderbergh apparently wrote a sequel to sex lies and videotape 
Yep, during the quarantine. During quarantine, so maybe he'll uh, get the whole cast back together. It's so funny because I'm watching The Stand, the new Stand series, mm-hmm. and uh, what is it? Uh, Amber Heard is playing the character that Laura Sangiacomo played in that film, and it's I miss Laura. It's so weird. It's what, How is that, The Stand? How is it? It's not as good as it should be. It's okay. Yeah, two, only two episodes in. Yeah, two I'm waiting until I, cause I'll just do like a free seven day trial and probably just crush it, you know, cause I'm not necessarily like excited about CBS all access or whatever, but so you're just saying it's just okay so far. It's okay. It's neat seeing all this stuff. He changed the narrative, like the structure of it to where he focuses on a different character, each episode basically. And it goes back and forth in time and it messes with the, the greater whole, like the whole point of the stand is how it affects everybody. And when they make it an individual story for a large stretch of time, I think it sacrifices like one of the great things about it. So I'm on the fence right now. It's good to see some people and there've been a James Marsden is great. And um, JK Simmons is in it uh, for a little while. He's good. And I'll tell you who's great is that guy. um, uh, What is his name? Hamish Linklater. He was in, he was in the first episode. He's great. I love that guy. I wish that he was in more shit. I don't remember him. What else has he been in? You, You know, if you saw him. Yeah. New Adventures with Old Christine. That's oh, I the know. big short. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this guy. Right on. Well, no, that's good. I mean, I, 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 I was prepared to be disappointed, so I'm glad to hear it's okay versus just terrible or something like that. Um, I'm brought to you from the guy who did The Fault in Our Stars. I'm sure he knows horror forwards and backwards. Well, the thing is, if somebody's really passionate about it, you, you kind of think that, oh, maybe they've got, you know. I just still, there was a point in time where Ben Affleck was going to do this big budget and it was going to be great and like now a, a tv series or a show I, I, I think it was a, like two films yeah and it's been what 20 30 years since the mick garris one so it's it's, a, it's if this doesn't end up being great i guess that's all she wrote for the stand during yeah. my lifetime for sure what's odd to me though is you know I, you know me uh nick i just read it i think two years ago for the first time and i read the extended edition i mean it feels like you know you could just kind of write a screenplay and let it play out just like the book. I mean, I, I don't understand why you would have to change the narrative conceit to be, you know, feature one per, I mean, it just seems like clunky. I don't know. It feels like that, that was a, an easy series to adapt, at least in my mind. I, I, maybe I'm underthinking it or something, but oh well. I mean, and also the thing, it's so cast centric. If you cast it well, then a lot of the hard work is done. And I don't think they cast yeah. a lot of it well. I don't know if they right. were hindered by money, but they could have done better. They, I didn't have that CBS all access uh, unlimited budget. Hey, it may get nope. more people reading the book, so that's cool. No Gary Sinise, no deal. Can't watch the new one. <laughs> He's my Stu Redman forever. The, the guy who plays Nick Andrews sucks. Who is it? Some guy I've never, I don't know. He's only been in one scene. And people hate his guts too because he's he's a hearing actor, and they should have cast a non-hearing actor. Oh, really? I just oh, yeah. that's my deal. favorite character. I think that's my favorite character from the. Rob Lowe played him in the uh, Mick Garris one. Right? He did a good job. Yeah, I never saw the Mick Garris one. I guess it's hard to find. I mean, you can. You no, can't actually, like they just came out with a nice special edition. I picked it up, so mm-hmm. you can borrow it next time I see you. It's okay. it's worth it's it's a pretty good Blu-ray actually. Okay. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on the actual? like content itself, like, I mean, time it, in a place or it's okay. It's okay. But yeah. they, they, um, it's, it's got a lot going for it. And apparently they had the budget cut in half like weeks before filming. So gotcha. it's, it suffers on that you end. Can, you can feel that. Yeah. I mean, I know it's obvious to say it, but like, I wish Mike Flanagan could have gotten his hands on it. I mean, somebody who just truly really seems to get King 
Although wasn't King somewhat involved in this adaptation, or was he involved like he's involved with a lot of where he slaps? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I know his I son. Like, I know Owen King is an executive producer on it, but at okay. the same time, to me, I like it when they go for an unorthodox choice. I mean, Flanagan's great, but I, I want him to do. I think he's good at handling things that that need help. You know, like yeah. he, he's able to elevate weaker stuff. The stand. I want to see somebody, and that's why Josh Boone was an interesting choice because he's not a horror guy. So maybe it would work, you know. Some, you know, I'd like to see if you know you get somebody who's just good, who's got chops yeah. to do it. You know, like Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I wish we could just talk about the stand from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean this movie is definitely lightweight, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I think for me, if it wasn't Soderbergh, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. But the fight sequences, and I mean, I would count all of them. I love those. It's what it's all about. It's what the movie's for. Um, you know, you touch on the David Holmes score. Fantastic. Cinematography is fantastic. But yeah, it's just a little hour and a half diversion at best. You know, um, this is a, my second favorite David Holmes score for Soderbergh. Really? Yeah. Ocean's 12. And then this, I mean, it's really good music. It's wasted on this movie, I think. Uh, you know? I would say, I would say, out of sight than Ocean's Twelve than this personally. Although but, my favorite score of his is Cliff Martinez of all of the Soderbergh movies. Yeah, Contagion. I think that's Contagion. It's so good. Amazing. It's very uh, anxiety-inducing in a good way. I mean, the whole thing. Cliff Martinez really has that piece down. Just that kind of like you know, almost like a brain-like bug or whatever, in a good way. So. Who who who's who would you cast? Can you cast anybody else in this? Like, if you had if you had the ability to undo Gina Carano, is there anybody that would fit this? It seems like there's the movie exists only because of her. I mean, I think you know. The, the, apparently, they went out of their way to do non UFC fighting style, like in the you know cinema or in the um, choreography. So I think you probably could have. I mean, I don't. I'd have to think about who would be a better fit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you'd totally be recast. What do you think, Justin? Impossible. <laughs> um, no, she, at one point she looked like Catherine Zeta Jones in this. And I thought, well, maybe they could have made that work. I don't know. I think anybody that could have actually acted in it would have been interesting. Well, like but, Fassbender isn't, you know, some UFC fighter and that was him doing all those stunts. In fact, they said he slammed her head into the wall at one point yep. on accident, but I guess so real that she lost her shit. And when you see that vas of her face smashed across his head, that was real. Like that was, that was on purpose. Um, he, yeah. He bragged about it. He said he wasn't wearing pads. Like he took all the hits and all that stuff. Yeah. He was bragging about that shit. I was like, you're bragging about Haywire. <laughs> you guys, you know. think an actor like him, that's got to be amazing. You think about his classical training. He does a lot of these really uncompromising movies. So to do something like this must be a like a joy for him. Much more so than the X-Men films, because that's all waiting for screen, you know, blue screen and all this shit to happen. I bet you this is one of the most fun he, times he's had on a set. I would agree. Yeah, for sure. Total change of pace. You didn't even have to take his dick out, which is very nice change of pace for him. He definitely took his shirt off, though. They worked that in. (laughs) You know, he's one of those people that they keep mentioning as somebody who should play James Bond. I'm like, get away. Get away from me with that weird head of his. 
that weird. Well, like, you know, you know, you know, like it? Sort of like an inverted James Bond, and like you know, there's you know, uh, no high tech gadgetry. You know, just all very low tech. Um, and I, I did enjoy that part of it. Like I love like kind of CIA. You know, uh, kind of these sort of international spy stories. And don't get me wrong, this is not a great screenplay. It, it could have been a lot, lot better. But. Uh, I just enjoy that kind of genre. So to me, it's just kind of fun to watch that piece. And obviously a female versus a male character, a lot of male eye candy hanging around, you know? Um, so it was just kind of an interesting take on, I think the spy genre. McGregor on the beach at the end, there's that fight scene and he, what, so what happens to him? How do we leave his character? We, we kind of referenced it, but. So he's running away like for the fifth time and uh, gets his legs stuck between two rocks somehow, like twist his ankle. And so she smacks him around a little bit more and then just leaves, uh, leaves him there for the high tide to take she care questions of him. She knows he's low man on the totem pole. She's like, who put you up to this? Who put you up to the double cross? I know it doesn't end with you. He's all, you know, his broken ankle and the, in the rocks. And so he, he gives up Antonio Banderas. He says, that's who, that's really who did it. And then they flash back to him putting together this double cross. I right? do so, like the scene where Ewan McGregor's watching the tide roll and he looks over to his right and Ted Danson's buried up to his neck <laughs> next to him. <laughs> I you know, I think I think McGregor could have got out of that. I don't know if he's dead in this world. What do you guys think? I think he's fine. Definitely could have been. I mean, if he had motivated himself to get up and move that rock, you know. Maybe the out. buoyancy that the that the surf gives him allows him to break free. Yeah. Although maybe, he sucks. Maybe a mermaid came out of nowhere. His name's Kenneth in this. Did we talk about that? Kenneth. Kenneth. That's, yeah. It's a great name. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Up there with Terry and Carl. <laughs> got Mallory, got Kenneth. That's the only two I remember. Yeah. I feel bad for the Banderas' cutie that he's got with her. Because she's, she's Rodrigo Banderas was Rodrigo. She's, Rodrigo. He's got this adorable lady who's going to go do him a favor, and I think she gets slaughtered. So he's doing it for the money. He he upgrades his wife and his house. That's what he's doing it for. And they show him with his new wife, and she's kind of this, you know, obviously very pretty um, woman. And they're doing a weird thing. They're they're kissing each other and swapping strawberry. Like she bites right. a strawberry, kisses him, and transfers it to his mouth like gum. You know how people do with gum. Mm. I saw it with fruit before. Yeah, originally it was a pork loin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was too sexy. They had to tone it down to avoid the uh, the NC seventeen rating. <laughs> she gets, like, she, uh, but Gina Carano, I think she ices her. Uh, yeah, she she her out doesn't or, come back. Yeah. She goes to answer the door, and then you just see in the background her getting pulled through the door. That would seem um, out of character for her, because to your point, she may have accidentally let Ewan McGregor go. We don't know the outcome there. She didn't kill Channing Tatum when she had the opportunity, so she probably would have let her go. It'd be funny if the last, the, the last shot is the woman has been completely dismembered. <laughs> she took all of her shit out on that innocent... <laughs> she doesn't tend to kill that's people. That's a, haywire, I mean, right? it's not true. I guess she does kill some of those guys in her dad's house, but doesn't she doesn't always kill people? That's, she's not always leaving behind bodies like she John Wick or something. Like like the the low men on the totem pole, she leaves the the top guys. She gives them a little more, which makes sense given her right wing politics. You know, she killed a couple uh, of Channing Tatum's men. boys in the in the safe house. 
Yeah, she does. They do get together. She does have sex with Channing Tatum after he treats her like shit the entire time. Like he treats her yeah. terribly and she doesn't like him. Like, obviously, she says because she's always like trying to be professional and he's just trying to make do shortcuts in the planning. But she's not exactly a romantic either. She just starts taking his clothes off. No, but she's, you know, he's obviously a, a cutie. She's a cutie. They're going to get together, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So and, she, and she's broken up with Ewan, which that, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a weird pair. Now, well, that's, that's right. Really they were together. What, that's really what set him off. It wasn't the money. I guess so. You're right. Yeah. It's like a. And then like. Oh, the, well. <laughs> oh, well. And Bandera scratching his belly at the end, walking towards the camera. Did you notice that? <laughs> it did not. Scratching his little bell. <laughs> and Sauber is like, more of this, more of this, less of her. Keep her off screen for the end, you know. So at the end, she drops down from his roof. And then the, the movie ends appropriately on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, which is a good point. So she rings the doorbell, handles the new wife, then somehow ends up on the roof to drop down behind him. So I don't yes. think she would have had enough time to dismember anybody, Nick. Did she, have any, did she have camouflage on this time? I don't think so. It's a huge no. opportunity. No one necessarily came up. I don't think so. Does she? I can't remember what she looks like because they barely show her at the end. Yeah. She's like a she's like an apparition, right? Like a phantom at the an end. An apparition, huh? Apparition, yeah. apparition. I, so, do you think candidly, Soderbergh, what Soderbergh would say about Carano? Well, you think he'd be? Do you think he'd be honest about the shit the shit pile he stepped in? No, I think I don't think so. I think he. I think part of it is he's throwing up. Well, maybe he's throwing up. <laughs> They're watching dailies, but no, he. I think he is. He's throwing up these kind of challenges for himself, and that's probably one of them. Is he's trying to? You know, he's trying to put roadblocks up and see if he can make a film anyway. Yeah. He, he's doing his next film is going to be, he's going to get his, the star is on an incubator. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. he's obviously born, but bored by traditional Hollywood for sometimes, sometimes. Well, um, he talks about like, you know, never taking failures too personally. Like I was reading about when he got thrown off Moneyball, and apparently, and Nick, you'll know the general manager's actual name, but you know, the book and the, the movie that actually came out, we're pretty rough on Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. I like, once again, I can't remember the real life guy's name. His character is uh, Art Howe. Art Howe. So basically Soderbergh's plan was to cast the real Art Howe as Art Howe in the film. And I guess that's really what got the studio a little trippy. So, I mean, that's, it, you know, you mentioned the girlfriend experience. He also did a movie bubble that was all non-actors. I think he's cast, you know, real people in roles before in contagion. If I'm not mistaken, there was a Actually, few what- like that. What got him thrown off is he wanted to cast Gina Carano as Billy Bean. And they're like, <laughs> the- By the way, I'm sure that movie would have been great, but I don't, I can't imagine it being any better than Bennett Miller's. Well, and but that's the thing, like he 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 didn't seem frustrated or mad. Like in other words, I think his ability to not get slowed down by a failure or a box office, it's like he just releases so much content. I think it's like there's a momentum that comes with that that I think. Makes a lot of sense. Like going back to David Fincher, you know, he was just commenting. I think he's had a 30 plus year career, but only made 10 movies. And he was almost saying in, on reflection, that it feels like that was a miss, you know, and you look at a guy like Soderbergh, who generally releases at least two movies a year, you know, and once again, occasionally you get this haywire, but then you also get contagion in the same year. Um, so I think he's just more about the craft and if somebody's willing to give him some money to make a movie, he'll make it. Um, he had mentioned Karanu had just lost her first fight and he had just gotten thrown off Moneyball. So he said that was sort of in his mind, his inspiration to work with her, that they had both, 
you know, lost recently. They both failed at something. So He's I, like, let's, let's, let's get the audience in on this. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's see how many more people we can include in our failures. <laughs> uh, well, I love him. I love that he's out there. I don't hate this film. It's a fun movie. I'm glad I own it, and I and it's a very easy film to put on while you're just doing whatever. So, yeah, you know. I'd rewatched it a few months ago, about two months ago, actually, because just being home with quarantine, I've been going through like directors, you know, filmographies in a lot of cases, and I might not watch a hundred percent of them, but I watched Haywire, The Laundromat, and uh, uh, High Flying Bird. They're all on Netflix. One like Friday night, just kind of stayed up late, and uh, it's it's amazing. He definitely has things that are common throughout his you know films. I mean, his cinematography, I think, is definitely a hallmark. But it's amazing to see the just the, how he can bounce around from genre to genre and generally still make it a success. What's, so what's your guy's favorite Soderbergh movie? Oh, man, um, he's basically I'm gonna cream on you. <laughs> I mean, I would say Out of Sight definitely is way high up on the list. Me too. Um, fan of Traffic. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of all this stuff. Contagious. He had a stuff. good run there. Like Aaron Brockovich is great. He had a really good run from. I guess. Dude, out of sight, the limey, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, Ocean's Eleven. I mean, that's a pretty, and that, that was all within from '98 to 2001. See, all I don't like. Years. I think the limey is way dog shit. I don't like limey's great. I think I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, re, I, I mean, really there's like only it. one answer. There's only one answer. The underneath, Jim <laughs> saying, "I mean, let's be honest." <laughs> I mean, uh, the King of the I Hill. Mean, I mean. <laughs> King of the Hill is great, I think. And I would say this, and this goes out to everybody, because I don't know many folks who have watched it, but The Nick, that whole series, the two seasons, is fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. He directed every episode, and if y'all both haven't seen it, it's time to rectify. I mean, it is so good. Um, I really dug it. I'm actually probably thinking about going back through it a second time before too long. I watched like half of the first season, and, and I got numb. Really? Yeah, I just it was cool and I liked it. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't I wasn't like drawn into it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just hooked me for some reason. It did hook me like Haywire did. He's got a new movie <laughs> coming out with uh called No Sudden Move with old Matt Damon. And Matt there. Damon's only a cameo in that. And No Jupe, next favorite. Yeah, yeah. Brendan yeah. Fraser, Ray Liotta up on here. Don Ham, Benicio del Toro, Don Cheadle, Julia, Amy Simons, Julia Fox, all sorts Bill, of people. Bill Duke. Bill Duke in this. Yeah, Bill uh, Duke was a high flying bird, which is fantastic. Way slept you, off Can you? I, I didn't hear the name Gina Carano. <laughs> and Solomon wrote no sudden move, so there's there's your connection right there. So, guys, dark side of the city. You're walking through the catacombs, graffiti everywhere, a slight smell of sulfur and urine, rats scurrying off in the distance, more locks near. Eyes that are glazed over stare at you as you pass. You go behind an aluminum door, rusted from time itself, and there sits a disgusting tattoo smith looking at you. His eyes pleading, what do you want from haywire on your torso? They call those, what do they call those, tattoo smiths? Is that what you said? (laughs) That's what I was calling them. I mean, there's so much to choose from from here. What do you think, John? Do you have any... You have tattoos, so what, how would he you? He doesn't have any tattoos. He's got lots of tattoos, I think. Yeah, and no tattoos. And, um, and, and there are, don't you have a lot of Star Wars tattoos, specifically a Mandalorian? <laughs> you got a Baby Yoda on you somewhere, right? Yeah, Cora Dune tattoo on my butt. <laughs> yeah. Is that her name? Cara Dune. Cara Dune, I think. Yeah. I've got um, her. I've got Horatio Sanz's character on me. <laughs> Actually, kind of funny on that show. That, like, 
like uh, that uh, camouflage, uh, but like tattooed on my face. Just go ahead and just commit to it for the rest of my life. Nice. So I think I would go. With, yeah. yeah. Could blend in with like what? What do you think could Her. blend in? With? Yeah, we, could, we could blend in with East, each other. Easter basket grass. Yeah, you know, <laughs> something like that. Right. That's right. You know what will stick out though at the Strasburg Institute. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna get a, a variation of that famous jaws billboard um mm -hmm. on my chest uh, but instead of the shark in the water will be you and up uh, trapped in the rocks <laughs> uh, i'm gonna get i don't know if you guys remember that i would get the guy carrying the stacked chairs do you remember him <laughs> yes so there's a scene when she's she realizes that She's been double crossed. Fastman is trying to, you know, kill her. So she leaves the hotel. That she's she's on the run from cops. Basically, she enters like a hotel and starts. She's cornered. She starts pushing plastic chairs down the stairs and stuff. And then there's a quick shot of a guy holding a stack of plastic <laughs> chairs. And I just thought he had just got done with a lot of work just to see it spilled downstairs. I felt bad for that character, and so I would just get him. It always um, bothers me in movies when people do that kind of shit. Because if you're ahead of somebody, mm -hmm. are they going to, if you, if there's nothing there, they think, well, maybe she went that way. But if there's something that's been casually thrown there, she definitely went that way. Yeah, good question. Well, she she doesn't have that far of a head, like a lead on them. So I think that's what she was doing. She's just trying to throw, obviously, stuff in their way. But yeah. it didn't really work. Yeah. The, the real victim in this movie is definitely the chair guy. I felt bad for him. I did too. He he, he had a rough go. He had a rough that, go. That and the guy that took care of the, the maze tear caretaker and no one ever got to see his work. You know? <laughs> I'll tell you what though. Both of those guys blew her off the screen. <laughs> All, both, both of those guys also MMA fighters. <laughs> All right. So you have been inserted into the narrative of Haywire. Mm -hmm. And what shape does your performance take? So I work at the hotel and uh, I am, I've worked 80 hours and I am worn out. And they're saying, uh, can you go up and clean up? There was a disturbance in the room upstairs. Can you go and clean mm -hmm. up? And I walk, I walk in and I find the destroyed body of Michael Fassbender. I find broken vases. I find feathers everywhere. And uh, she was kind enough to leave the gun behind. And lo and behold, there's another bullet in it, but not for long. Commit suicide? You had a cleaning project. I, I I am, but I'm an idiot. So I shoot oh. my I shoot myself in in like the hand. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, but I'd probably be an orthopedic doctor and, and just clean up, making up, you know, breaking or fixing all those broken bones caused throughout the movie. He's looking to get paid. Yeah, why not make some money? I'd be a a guy that works for Ewan McGregor, and then his and then the whole time my my character would just be like, "It's not a good idea, guys. We, we shouldn't double cross her." You know, his Mexican waited outside the hotel for him to come back. They just cut to me whenever things start going bad, and I just be like, "Yep, told you. You know, mm -hmm. I knew it. Yeah, knew right. it was gonna happen. You know, that, I'd be that guy." And then she'd shoot me through. This. <laughs> spine uh at some point but uh yeah so i don't know either that or i'd be a mermaid that was rescuing um you and mcgregor at the end one of the two okay be a better film yeah all right so the the escrow is in place you've been given the financing to do your own sequel to haywire thank god mine would be a romance it'd be like a romantic sequel carano comes back to the beach says i miss your dick <laughs> to you and i miss it 
And so he's like, are you going to, are you going to let me free so we can resume our relationship? No, she rips his pants off there at the beach and and begins to, you know, try to arouse him, you know, just Mm. a primitive pawing at his groin and primitive means to try to arouse him at the beach. It's not working. Um, and, uh, he, you know, cause she saw the pillow book, she knows what he's packing. And so, um, she finally, she picks him up, puts her over her shoulder and drags him back to the, to their, you know, their domicile. Um, but the, there, <laughs> there was a mermaid that was watching them and she also <laughs> follows them smelling ass like a, you know, smells like mm-hmm. loot fish, you know, tracking up the stairs. Sure. And, uh, a weird threesome happens. It's very forensic detail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 as if Gaspar Ney had directed the sequel to Haywire. So get ready to see mermaid pubes. <laughs> <laughs> um, sequel to this? Did I steal yours? I'm trying to? No, I didn't have. <laughs> I'll just do a shot for shot remake, but cast it with a an actress. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Do a. <laughs> A sequel would be she gives up. She try. She wants to give up being a gun for hire, and then she's like, "You know, I'm gonna try my hand in, in acting. I get. I love acting." So she gives up her life as a hitman and becomes like an actor, like Barry, the show Barry. Yeah. You know, you see that. So you're pitching a science fiction sequel. <laughs> she falls in love with acting. But that's the thing is he's also not good. I, I don't know. I, I got no. I, I had no ideas for a sequel to this. I, I, I don't know what to do. What, what I guess it could you do? I, don't I, I like the fact that this movie mystifies you. It is an interesting movie because all three of us, completely separate from each other, basically produce no notes. I mean, I was I had my notebook out, but I was like, well, I mean, it's just sort of a. I mean, it is what it is. There's not much to it. Um, you know, great fight sequences, great score. Great cinematography. I don't even think the fight sequences are that good. <laughs> I think the fight sequence with Fastbender is good. I, I think that's all. really good. I, I and I like the and Nick's. I think Nick's right at the beginning. I think that's really pretty good. Like it's kind of unexpected, but other than that, I mean, well, okay. there's so we, many. We live in a world where Gareth Edwards is making the raid, yeah, like that. So it's hard to compare that kind of stuff. But I like seeing. I like seeing the Americanized version of it. Seeing familiar faces getting involved in this kind of shenanigan. That's why John Wick is successful. There's nothing in John Wick that really can can, can hold a, a candle to the to the raid. But right. it's mm-hmm. seeing Keanu do it. It's the style of it. It's the the sure. world building. So to me, it's just a different way to skin a cat. That's what that's what I like about this because, to me, I would rather watch an action film directed by Steven Soderbergh than I would by whoever your martial arts filmmaker is. You know, I just to me, it's more interesting, and that's what works about this movie is it's it's fun to think about it. It's fun to think about how they how they came up with it. Granted, you're right; they are. I think John said it. They're taking studio money and 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 having a party on their dime, which is sort of what we're watching, but. I don't know. There's something there's something kind of neat about that too, because as a viewer, what do you what do you have to lose? I think he was just like I think part of it was that he just wanted to see her do all the stuff like that. You know, she's there's a she climbs a fence in this very easily. He shows that she he like just he just wants to show her do stuff, and it's very successful in doing that. She fell off you that know. roof. That was pretty great. I yeah, like that. she she's like uh, you know there might have done that scene where she jumps off the roof and rolls. You go it's behind a car and then rolls out. It, that might have been a stunt person. Well, there was a few different ones, but I'm talking about the one where she's in the chase in Scotland and she's trying to yeah, get yeah. back down off the roof and just fucking falls flat on her back. 
but yeah, no, to your point, there was definitely probably some stunt people involved in some of that stuff. But, uh, but he definitely wants to show her doing That's one of the draws for him was showing her really fight, really do it. You know, really sure. do those scenes. But same with the other actors, you know, Fassbender. I'm sure that was in the calculation as well. You know, mm -hmm. showing. Um, I think one of y'all mentioned it, but you know, sort of this classically trained actor. You know, getting to do a fight sequence. I mean, that's probably got to. I'm reading the notes from the Mandalorian, and she wasn't chosen for the part, but uh, Laura Sanjay Kimmel nailed the audition. <laughs> 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 yeah. So you have uh, you've the film has run the, the credits have expired and now there's a post credit stinger for Haywire. Oh, hell yeah! Wow. So mine, mine's pretty simple. Michael Fassbender uh, shakes his head. He's woof. Woo, he's a little woozy. Gets up out of the bathtub and stumbles home. <laughs> <laughs> Just with a gaping bullet wound in his face, or <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's in his head, but he's thrilled. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> Mine's similar, but it's the deer. He, <laughs> he or she, he he gets out. He does, he's not really dead, and he starts going through the glove compartment. That's what he does. That's how he. But yeah, so that's yeah. We can that, maybe we can bind ours, Nick. No, okay. I mean, mine would probably be Bill Paxton's character meeting with his accountant, and his accountant explaining to him that somebody writes twelve hundred page books called Desert Assault probably couldn't live in three million dollar mansions like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kept looking for his Ghost Rider because if he really is playing a Tom Clancy alike, you're, you're looking for like guys hitting the walls, you know, to basically do the work for him. Yeah, I love, I love Paxton because when Paxton plays like a character that's not like the lead, and it's supposed to be kind of like the dad or like kind of a weaker character, he <laughs> always just busts out the mustache. You know, like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he always just has a straight up mustache. You could just say mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of mustaches, by the way, because we were sort of talking about Mandalorian as well, um, I was not ready to see Pedro Pascal without a mustache in Wonder Woman 1984. It was very upsetting looking. Not he, yeah, it's funny as I hear a lot of people talk about how sexy he is, and I get he's he's got a unique look. He's he's sexy in Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. but he in, in uh, Wonder Woman he looks weird. Yeah, it's because he's missing the mustache and the little face. He's had that in literally everything until that movie. And it just fucks you up. It's it's too much to take. I mean, because even in, he was in Narcos for two seasons, which he was yeah. great in. But, you know, same yeah, but it just mustache. looks like they put Diego Luna in the telepod with Glenn Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's got a little bit of a Sam Elliott thing going on where he loses power when he shaves his, sure. his stash? Yeah, I would never. You, that's, not, that's like comparing Zeus to, you know, a, a, a red shirt. I mean... <laughs> but but watching Justified and seeing that guy without his mu it's like it looked like his it, the show should be about him trying to find his lost mustache. I mean, yeah. That's what it's, it's one of the biggest mistakes in TV history is him getting cast on Justified and then showing up day one shaved. They must have been like, <laughs> "What the fuck? What the fuck yeah. is going on?" Because you know they didn't ask for it. You know they didn't. They just thought it had come. He just come Sam Elliott. It felt it felt wrong. Like when Lauren Lapkus was naked in that episode of that Pete Holmes show, I felt I couldn't. Wa I felt bad. I felt I felt <laughs> I, other, I felt out of place. It's like no, this shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be seeing this. That's how I felt when I saw Sam Elliott without a mustache. It's like this is you're behind the curtain. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like seeing. You know, it's like seeing. What was that Pete Holmes show called? I watched the whole thing. Oh, well, you yeah. remember. It wasn't yeah. bad that show. It was called uh, the what was it called? It's something like uh, something. Oh God, no! Sorry, I can't remember. I had it on the tip of my tongue, but I just lost it. Haywire. 
<laughs> but did that not throw, take you out of it? What, Lauren Lapkus? Yeah, being, her, her being naked. That didn't bother me. She I mean, strikes me as like a like a little sister type, you know. Yeah, no, it's exactly. I felt like you were seeing like yeah, a friend crashing. I just yeah, looked it up. She's pretty great. Oh, crashing! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's hysterical. I mean, she's, yeah, she's definitely one of, the best. one of my favorite from Comedy Bang Bang for sure. Yeah, yeah. she's great. But you're Wonderful. right. She's like watching your sister, and then all of a sudden, she's yeah. I, don't, I didn't need it. Yeah, she's cute. That's off brand, by the way. Um, so hey. I mean, you guys have, you know, been floating in the sea for quite some time. Your island has gathered debris from all these different films. John less than ours, but <laughs> not for lack of quality. <laughs> what are you taking from Haywire to adorn your fabu fabulous Archipelago? <laughs> name, name of the actor in this, Michael Archipelago. <laughs> um, I'd probably go with that cool software that lets you track SIM cards. Just that'd be handy to have on mm -hmm. a desert island by myself. Um, I don't know. Come back to me. I have to think on it. I think it was called the software's called the Sims, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> by the way, well, one of my favorite things in the world is to, is those uh, those compilations of of errors in that game. The weird shit that happens. Like there'll be a guy in the in the stove. His head will be coming out of the top of the stove on fire. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, there's all these compilation videos of glitches in The Sims that are so fucking funny. Mm, people people like that. going backwards to the pool on fire. Oh, it's so good. Oh, oh. man. What did you come up with, Nick? I would, take that, I would take that wool hat that she wears because that seems like it would be warm if it got chilly at night. This is so stylish, take, too. It is, yeah, she has some style in this. You're right. Like, she had a... And she was trying to remember. She's trying to cover. She's trying to be disguised. Like she was, it was half over her, kind of yeah. hiding her face. But she looked very stylish. So she was hiding her face, but at the same time, sticking out because she looks so damn stylish. Yeah, you know, she looked like a barista. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it took a while to realize her cell phone was being tracked. Although I did like it, she stuck it in the car. That was kind of a, a smart. But then, move. but then, but then they had sewn in a gigantic tracker into her purse, which was oh, so that's right. So yeah. bush bush league of her. Yeah. She cut out with a gigantic knife. She had a huge <laughs> knife in this. That'd be handy on an island, Nick. I'm trying to give you some hints. I'd take the way Bandera scratches his belly to my <laughs> island. It's so cool. On your memory bank. I mean, there's no way. I got definitely a bigger belly for sure. And I was, no, but this is so casual and cool. You know, and just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm having a great time. Like he's loving life at that point. Like he's oh, loving yeah. it. Lighting up a cigar, so, scratching mm -hmm. his belly, eating regurgitated yeah. strawberries. Exactly. And he's just he's walking. It doesn't sound as the sexy the way you say it. <laughs> but he really just he just closeted that belly, but it is cool, you know, and so I do that. I just I imitate the way he did. I take that move the exact way. So what about you, Nick? So you go to the there's a there's a woodland area of my island. Uh, if you were to able to if you're able to see it from a satellite, you would know the mystery, but you can't. So God God forbid there's a, a fucking there's a maze. Oh, there's a maze on my island. Yeah, yeah. I've it may not have shown up in the film, but it's shown up on my island. Damn it! It's right. Transport the whole maze and it, It's way more complex than you would expect. Pretty cool. It takes about six hours to solve to get to the mm. to find the middle. If you do, if you make it, there is a prize. Yeah, uh, surprise! I got Bill Paxson's spread ass, <laughs> <laughs> and you could. 
it's like a, there's a photo booth where you can do whatever you need with it. Dead ass. <laughs> well, not at the time. And, and the mustache is right over his tailbone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>